thanks for joining us at The Cornerstone. We're the Young Adults Ministry at Praise Chapel Paramount. We meet every Friday night and host a young adult service. Our goal is simple, to know God and to make Him known. Here with you guys on the first Cornerstone service of 2018. And so I'm going to stick to the church's theme, and I want to talk to you tonight about purpose. Now, there are a lot of people who have dreams and aspirations and ideas of what they want to do, what they want to become, and what they want to accomplish, not just in the year or within 2018, but within their lifetime. And all of us have a vision of where we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing, what we want to become. But if we're not careful, we will end up being like most people in wishing for something that never comes to pass. You don't know how many times I've run into um, people who are aspiring to do something and they want in about ten minute, a 10 minute conversation, they want me to give them something that will launch them into whatever they imagine they'd have. You guys see them on YouTube, you guys see them on Facebook, you guys know them in real life. These are the rappers that would never be, the performers that would never be, the musicians that would never be, the pastors that would never be, and all of the people who have all of these aspirations that really aren't going anywhere. And I really want to put the question to you bluntly, as far as your dreams and aspirations and what God has placed on your heart go, are you going anywhere? Are you really getting any closer? Because we imagine that something somewhere down the line, I mean, I was having a real conversation with a friend, I kid you not. I was talking to him about a business he wanted to start. And I, I'm always pushing people to pursue their dreams and goals. And I really, I really am of the belief that once you've settled on a purpose, if you will persist in that purpose, that absolutely nothing can stop you except yourself. I absolutely believe that 100%. I am a testimony to that sort of thinking. I mean, ever since I was 14 years old, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying this to tell you that these biblical principles are true. Since I was 14 years old, when I would set my mind to something, if I persisted long enough in it, it would happen. No matter how crazy, no matter how big, no matter how odd it seemed, it would happen. So anyway, I was talking to this friend of mine who I was encouraging to start his business. And he goes, well, I'm going to wait for, you know, another couple of years and, and, and then maybe I'll get going on this or I'm going to wait till this aligns or that aligns. I'm going to finish school. And he starts going off, rattling off really a bunch of excuses. Now, if you guys know me and my brother, we are very good at getting to the bottom of people's excuses. So can you make it tonight? Oh, I'm going to be at my grandma's for lunch. Okay. What time is that until? Oh, till like, till like three o'clock. Okay. And then after three o'clock, what are you doing? Uh, well, I was gonna, I was gonna go home and, and take. Okay, after your nap, what are you gonna do? Three thirty, four o'clock, then you're free, and then what? And it comes down to they really didn't want to do it. So this guy I'm talking to, I'm just pegging him with questions. You know, okay, well, why not? And it turns out he's just afraid. But I'll never forget what he told me. I said, "What do you think's gonna change, like in a year? Like, what do you really think? What do you imagine is gonna happen? Like, you, you have this goal, you have this dream. What do you imagine is gonna transpire between now and then that's gonna?" all of a sudden change everything to where you're going to get what you want. And he, I kid you not, he, he realized how silly he was being, but he, this is what he said. He goes, I don't know, maybe magic will happen for me or something. And I laughed at it and I told him, you're ridiculous. It's not going to happen. But how many of us think that way? Not just with our ministry, not with just our finances, but a lot of you with your call. 
you imagine that somewhere down the line, magic's going to happen. Everything's going to change. And then all of a sudden, the ideal situation out of nowhere is going to present itself to you. And you're going to go, aha, perfect timing. Now I'll do it. But if I'm just being honest with you, it's never going to happen. The perfect opportunity will never present itself. I think of people in this room. Omar, remember when you were nervous to sing? Now, when you, come here, I'm going to stand up for a second. Okay, so, so when, you, when, you, when you first, he doesn't know, this is an on the spot. I know you're not used to this limelight. Okay, so, so when, when <laughs> yeah, random cheers, thank you. So when you decided you were going to play the guitar, were you nervous? Yes. Did you feel prepared? Mm, not really. Okay, so what happened? Because I, I seem to remember the first service you guys played. I remember it. I don't know if you do. I remember it. Okay, so tell us what happened. Are you talking about the first time I sang a song or played a guitar? Played in the church. Oh, um, I thought I was just practicing with the band, and then all of a sudden it's 7.30 and we're starting midweek service, and I'm like, I'm going to get off. Like, we're, you know, you're supposed to play. So I'm like, okay. And you just found out that moment. Now, did you imagine that there was going to be some future moment that was going to present itself? No, I don't know. What were you thinking? You were just waiting? I don't know. I was, just, I was just learning. I was just being kind of naive. I was just doing it. So when you first started, did you have fears about it? Yes. But now look at him today. You guys see what I'm saying? So, so he, 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 he had these fears. He had these thoughts. So I'm thinking back to Omar, that, the little, little Omar we used to call you because his dad and then, you know. So you were terrified. Yes. And you didn't, you didn't want to do any of that. No. And then all of a sudden you go into it and you're really, really good at it. Even leading the song, I didn't think I'd be able to do it. Like singing and playing, no way. That's not me. That's for somebody else. I'll cheer them on and people encourage me. I'm like, no, I can't do it. Okay. And not to pick on the Lopez's, but Jacob proposed to Linda. Now, Jacob, stand up here for a second. Stand up. You proposed to, to Linda, right? Yes. Okay. Now, where there are also, what are you squeezing me for? <laughs> now, there were all sorts of people, I'm sure, that were saying, you got to wait until blank, right? And they're all like divorced, right? So you were saying, there were, people were telling you, what, were, what was one of the main things? They said, you got to wait until um, you're financially ready. You're financially, do you, feel, job and all do you feel financially ready? Nope. Nope. Okay. See, and he's going to do it. And, and are you, are you, are you happy? He, he asked you yes. and is everything working out so far? Yes. They jumped out and they did it. They pursued a purpose. Now, Steve, stand up here. You ready, sir? You were working at Aramark. Aramark Uniform Service. Now, Steve took so much persuading to jump out and do the call of God. Me and my brother, Mike, what did you tell him? He was being a sissy. Mike just straight up told him he was being a sissy. I, I, we, we, we had all sorts of conversations about it. But remember, some of your fears. Tell him just real quick. You guys know, all know he used to work for Aramark. How many of you guys know that? Okay, so he's full-time in the ministry now. But it wasn't like that before. So at what, what was your, your old schedule like, would you say? Oh, uh, 3.30 to probably 6.30 or 7.30 at night. So a lot of work, a lot of overtime. And in the morning, how early would you have to get up? Sometimes 3, 4, 2 one time, I remember. So here's what he would do. Because he was, you were, what, it was about two years you were doing the program with me still? So you're at Aramark and you're doing the program with me still. So two years of waking up 2, 3 in the morning. Going to work, 
getting off at like what six or seven, then staying up with me and the TV crew until about midnight, sometimes one in the morning, going back home, waking up in three and doing it all over again. For two years, you did that. And were you terrified to jump out and do it? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you had the support of your wife, Amanda, and she pushed him too. She, had, she supported you 100%. But you jumped out and you did it. But did you, in your mind, where you kind of just keep, you kept pushing it off, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, the natural fear is like, well, I'm making decent money. And I know, like, what am I jumping into? I didn't know. So it's, it's crazy. But I did it. And so Pastor Mike... You're going to Texas. It's going to Hutto, Texas. Now, see, I don't know. Whenever they say that, I don't know whether to clap or to cry. Pastor Mike, would you stand, please? Do you know 100% for certain that this is God's timing? No. And I knew that would be your answer because that's how we think. But so, so why are you taking such a big risk now? Why not wait until, I don't know, you, you have a better feeling about it? I feel like if I wait any longer, we're wasting more time. I'll end it all now. That's perfect. I, don't know, I was going to interview a couple more of you, but that was perfect. You see what I'm saying, guys? So there are a lot of you in here. You have a purpose, and you're waiting. You're waiting. Like everyone you heard here was talking about how they had to overcome that idea. They had to get that lie out of their head. Most people don't fulfill their purpose because they're waiting for an ideal situation that will never come. You've got to get the lie out of your head that someday, somehow, everything's going to magically change, and then you'll do what you're supposed to do. It really isn't going to happen. You don't know how many people miss their destiny because they're waiting for details. I just thought of that right now. Ruben, what did you think? Where is he? Oh, he's, okay. Thank you, Ruben. <laughs> I got a thumbs up from Jake's. So go to Ecclesiastes chapter number one. I hope this is challenging you guys. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. This is not for somebody else. He's talking to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. For those of you who don't know, that's after Proverbs. For those of you who don't know where Proverbs is, that's after Psalm. If you don't know where Psalm is, here's a little trick. Close your Bible. Open it up right in the center. You'll find the book of Psalms. So Psalms, Proverbs, then you're going to go Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Now, Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon, who was, in fact, the scripture describes as the wisest man of his time. In fact, the wisest man of pretty much all time. God gave him wisdom. God gave him wealth. God gave him influence. God gave him fame. God gave him power. Everything you could possibly imagine. Ricky, you look like you're going to kill someone. You're like scared. <laughs> Can you sit down? <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Just, I was waiting for you to go. So Solomon, sorry, man. I thinking out loud here. I feel so relaxed that I'm at Cornerstone. I hope you guys don't mind. So Solomon writes the book of Ecclesiastes, and he's the guy that has it all. He has everything you could possibly imagine, and he has access to anything that the world has to offer. So he goes down and he, Ecclesiastes is basically chronicling this experiment that King Solomon takes. So he makes this experiment. He, he commits himself. He says, I'm going to find out where there is purpose in this world. 
And so all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, he's trying different things. Money, power, women, food, work, everything. He looks, at for, he looks for purpose in entertainment. He looks for purpose in his wealth. He even starts working really, really hard, and he tries to find out if maybe because I'm so wealthy and influential, I've missed out on work. Maybe that's what I need, because he was watching hard workers. And he's saying, they seem happy. I'm going to try what they're doing. So even in working really hard, you know, they say, you know, those people that say, you know, hard work, that's where it's really at. Those are the people who know that maybe hard work is valuable, but they're kind of trapped there too. And they would get out of there in a heartbeat if they could. So Solomon goes in, he says, I'm going to try to see what's in there. And he goes to the hardworking fields and he's just there and he's trying everything he can. And he realizes not even in hard work is their purpose. He says, because I realize that if I work really hard, and I'm building up all this wealth. I'm building up all my influence. One day I'm going to die. And then some lazy guy is going to come and he's going to take it all. He says, what does it matter? So in Ecclesiastes, this kind of gives you an idea of where he's at in his mentality. And you have to realize he's very, very cynical. The book of Ecclesiastes is such a cynical book. He is just coming to the realization that after all is said and done, he says nothing matters. Guys, that's in the Bible. That's what he writes. So look at this. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. I'm going to read beginning at verse number one. So this is what he says. This is what the scripture says. These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. It opens up really encouraging here. Verse two. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. What do people get from all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. And the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. Here, history merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past and in the future generations. No one will remember what we are doing now. Seems kind of bleak. Very negative. Now go turn here to chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, and go to verse 11. But there's a little bit of a turn in the book. Something that God has placed in the heart of everyone. Look at what he says here. Verse 11, chapter 3. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. What does he plant in your heart? Eternity. Now, why is that important to mention during this description of this study or this experiment that King Solomon is conducting? It's important because he makes a conclusion. So he goes back and forth. This, the book, basically, that's it. He just describes all the different things that he's trying. Then go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. That's the last chapter of the book. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, we're going to read the last two verses. This is his conclusion. He goes through everything. Here's the man who had it all. Here is his conclusion. You ready to hear this? 
Verse 13. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Now, I found this somewhat perplexing because I'm reading this whole book and every verse is just negative. This doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. He's talk he really is serious. Nothing matters. And then all of a sudden he concludes by telling us that what we ought to do is obey God's command. And I thought that was interesting because if everything is truly meaningless, what is the point then in obeying God's command? If this guy really believes what he is saying, that everything is meaningless, then why is then he concluding that we should obey God? If it all really doesn't matter. Remember chapter 3 verse 11. What does it say he set in our heart? He has set eternity in our hearts. What does that mean? It means that deep down inside of us, every single one of us know that there is something bigger to all of this than what we currently see. It doesn't matter if you accomplish something here and now, if it doesn't affect eternity. Only that which is eternal has true purpose. I want to say that again. I want that to stick in your mind. Only that which is eternal has true purpose. How can I conclude that? Well, think about it. Let's say you become a billionaire. And Alex, with all his straight A's, it, probably on his way to it. Let's say you become really wealthy. And you become a philanthropist. And you just go, you start spreading good all over. You know that if there's no heaven and there's no hell, then someone who gives all their money to the poor, someone who helps the hungry, someone who houses the homeless, someone who takes care of children, if there is no God, if there is no heaven or hell, and the one who does good in this earth is just as purposeful as an Adolf Hitler. Because after all, what would it matter? We say, well, well they, they would make history. People would remember them. Well, what happens when the earth is gone? What happens when even history itself is forgotten? Only that which is eternal has true purpose. And so the question then is, well, how do I find my purpose? How do I contribute to God's Grand plan for all of the ages. How do I participate in what God is doing in this earth? Go to Matthew chapter 25. And I'll be finishing in just a few minutes here. Matthew chapter 25. Let's go to verse number 14. Now I have to express somewhat of a frustration I have here. Um, I'm not that old, relatively speaking. Relatively speaking, no one alive is really that old. But, you know, someone was making fun of me last night. He's like, yeah, you're almost 30, you're, you're old. And I'm like, 30's not old. I'm, I'm 28, and I'm going to be 29 this year. And then next year, I'll be 30. All right, so, you know, how, how, many, how many are past your 27 year? Let me see. How many are 26 or above? Okay, so see, we're all in the same boat. Okay, I'll just lump us all together, okay? 
But, you know, so, so I, I feel kind of weird because I, I'm starting to, I don't know if like, it's because I'm getting older. The older I get, the more frustrated I get with younger people. <laughs> and like, like, I'm thinking, especially sometimes we'll hire like uh, part-timers to come work for the ministry. And I don't ever meet them until they come onto the set or they're, they're working with us. You know, usually Tim will hire the whoever it is that's coming to work and I get to get a chance to say hello or whatever. But I'll watch different people's work ethic. And I don't know, there's something about that generation that's kind of come after us. I mean, we're, we're all here in the same generation. You know that generation after us? They're so lazy. <laughs> I mean, not, not lazy like we were, because compared to our parents, we're all lazy. All right, we're, 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 we're very lazy compared to the former generation. But they're even lazier than us. I mean, I'm talking about a generation that was born into Google. And when you tell them Google it, they say, how should I Google it? Or, or they, they, don't, they, don't, they just kind of just leave a job undone. They say, well, I couldn't figure it out, so I just kind of left it there. Like, you didn't think to call me? You didn't say to call you if I couldn't figure it out. Like, you have to instruct them on every little thing. Yeah, you're, you're getting frustrated on my behalf, aren't you? You know what I'm talking, how many know what I'm talking about? That, like, they, like, you know, so, so go look it up. Well, I don't want to have my phone on me, you know, it's my charger. And, like, just, people are, you, you ask, someone look for a restaurant. I'll show you how lazy our generation is. So, someone look for a restaurant. Oh, you, you look, you can't even decide on a restaurant. So, people who are lazy don't ever fulfill a purpose. They just kind of leave things undone. Laziness is, just, is not just the lack of motivation to do work. Laziness is also aimlessness. So I'm going to show you something in Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to begin at verse number 14. Now this is a parable that Jesus is telling. I talk about what the kingdom of heaven is like. So here is, you, you, you are the servants, okay? The master is God. This is what the Bible says. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man who is going on a long trip. So he's going somewhere, and he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. So five, two, and one. Five, two, and one. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master... You gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You guys still following? You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So the first one, he invests those five talents, and then he gets back five more. They celebrate together. The master's very happy. Okay? So the same thing happens with the second guy. He invested his two. He earns two more. Verse 24, then the servant with the bag, with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. There's an excuse. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. 
Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, now look at this. I want you to notice how often in the scripture, wickedness and laziness go hand in hand. Look at what it says. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Okay, so how does this apply? Well, we all know we have a purpose. Each one of us has been given something by God like these servants. Now, you may say, I don't have anything to offer. I can't really think of anything. But the truth is, everyone has something to offer. Even if you have no talent at all, you can offer your physical body to do work for the church. You have a mouth. You can speak the truth. You have time that you can invest. You have talent, some I'm sure, that you can invest. So God has deposited things in each and every single one of you. Now, let me ask you a question. Is God intentional? Let me ask it again. Is God intentional? Okay, he is. So if God is intentional, it means he thinks about what he's doing, correct? So if God was intentional when he created you, do you think he left anything out? Do you think he sent you to earth and was like, oh, I forgot good looks. I'm so sorry. Uh, Lord, you're sending this one with no talent. Oh, you know, there's no time. Just send him. Just send him. Just send him. I'm sure he'll find his way. No, God didn't miss a thing. God didn't miss a single detail. This means that everything about you was specifically designed for a specific purpose. Now, that can freak some people out because like that servant, we could be like, Lord, I didn't know what to do, so I just freaked out and buried it. And some of us are so afraid of making a mistake that we instead do nothing. But the Lord would rather have you try and fail than do nothing at all. Attempting and failing is not what angers the Lord. It's not trying because of fear that angers the Lord. You see, we think we have an excuse because we're afraid. Guys, look up at me. I'm going to tell you something. We think we have an excuse because we're afraid. But fear is not an excuse that works with God. God does not look down and say, oh, you're a little afraid. Okay, I understand. I'll give you some time. That's not what he's doing. God does not sympathize with our excuses. He sympathizes with our situation, but he doesn't accept our excuses as valid. So fear, being saying, I'm not that kind of person who does that, or I'm not the kind of person who's really bold in reaching out and trying something, that doesn't work with God. And many of us are waiting around for the perfect time, for the perfect situation, to know exactly what he wants us to do before we start doing something. But you notice that when it came to the parable of the bags of silver, that the Lord did not tell them what to do with what he gave them. Not once in there do you read that he instructed them, okay, you're going to invest this here, or you're going to put that there. What does he do? He leaves them with something, and then he goes. 
What does that tell you? It tells you that God has left you with something and he expects you to be a good steward. The life that God has given to you is all that you have to offer back to him. It's as if he said, here are the raw materials of a destiny. And here is a destination. Now you build it. You see, God is not in heaven looking down and instructing every little detail. I didn't want you to witness to that person. That, was always, that always weirded me out. I wasn't led to witness. You really think you're going to get to heaven? God's going to go, you know that person you told me about my son? Yeah, I didn't want you to do that. That'll never happen. We're so afraid of making a move. We're so afraid of being offered. What if it really isn't God? What if it's just me? What if it is just you and you accomplish some good? We need to stop waiting and hiding behind our excuses. Why? Because we have a purpose to fulfill. So how do you, how do you fulfill this? I'll break it down for you now. Number one, you have to recognize that only that which is eternal has true purpose. You see, if you waste your time working on things that ultimately aren't impacting eternity, then you're wasting your time. It will never result in anything that's going to go anywhere. If it's all about self, it's about what I can gain, what I can accomplish, you're going to find yourself a very empty person. Success is not what I obtained. Success is whether or not I obeyed God, despite the results. So that's number one. You have to have an eternal mindset. Number two, you have to stop making excuses. Fear is not a good excuse. Timing may be if God really is speaking to you. But even Paul the Apostle just moved. That You read the scripture in Acts. He said, I want to go to Asia. He didn't go, Lord, where are you leading me? I maybe No, he said, I'm going to Asia. And then the Lord said, I'm not calling you to Asia. So number three, trust that God will redirect when he needs to. Just do something. You know, I don't trust myself. I, I don't, I don't, you see, it's very easy to, to be on one side of things. You guys look at me, some of you I'm sure, and you're like, oh, well, that's Diga. He, he, he's got it. I'm probably just as confused sometimes as you are. The thing is, what makes me different is that I've learned to trust God. That's really it. I'm a very weak person without him. And I recognize that weakness, and so I lean on him, and it becomes my strength. What am I saying? I'm saying I don't trust my ability to pray. I don't trust my ability to understand the word. I don't trust my ability to hear God. But I trust his ability to speak to me. And it is that trust in him that allows me to just move and go and do. He sees my heart. I've read his word. I'm going to do something for him. And if I'm doing something specifically he does not want me to do, he will tell me. We need to start acting. So God has placed things in you. How do you discover that purpose? How do you discover direction? Let me ask you this. What are your passions? What are your desires? You know, I could have been in television production, in entertainment, and I still would have fulfilled the call of God. I know this is going to freak some of you out. 
I could have done, I wanted to pursue politics. I could have pursued politics and still been in the will of God. Now, there'll be a lot of people who disagree with this, but hey, I'm trying to get you to think a little. Even if you don't agree, just think a little outside the box with me. You see, God gave me desires and passions and gifts. He said, it's up to you how you glorify me with what I gave you. Now, the Lord led me to the ministry. I obeyed that. But it was an option. So God has laid before you options. He's put something in you. Some will take an easier road. Some will take a more sacrificial road. But if you think in terms of eternity, then you'll take the more sacrificial one. So what do you have? What are your passions? What are your desires? What, what is in you that you know you can use? Apply that to the gospel. Begin doing something. Did this challenge you guys tonight? Raise your hand if you've been challenged. If you've been challenged, I want you to come down to this altar. We're going to pray. Come on. Thanks for listening to this week's message from The Cornerstone. If you want to follow us online, connect with us on Instagram at the underscore Cornerstone. 